It is Tuesday, the 8th of August. It's the Feast of St. Dominic. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us in every time and place. Let us pray for the gift of an open heart. Today we hear your voice, O Lord. You have spoken to us through your prophets. Teach us to hear and heed your word. You have spoken to us through your Son and word. Teach us to hear and love your word. You have spoken to us through the teachers of your church. Teach us to hear and keep your word. God, you have spoken your word of love, your Son, into our world's deafness. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to heed. Open our will to obey that we may proclaim the good news with our lives. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Dominic, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us and awake and up and at them, and I'm sure showered and shaved and already dressed. Well, maybe you're not all those things, but we're glad you're here. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, Father Boniface Hicks will be along, continuing our series based on his book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for receiving the Father's love, and we're going to talk today about Eucharistic adoration, and actually the Pope's had some things to say about Eucharistic adoration recently. Marlon De La Torre will be along to discuss whether or not you can be a good person apart from God. Maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've tried that before. Father Augustine Weta will look at some more tips from the monks, the Desert Fathers, on better decision-making, and then Father Patrick Briscoe, a Dominican, joins us on this Feast of St. Dominic. We're also going to talk about an upcoming rosary pilgrimage that he's part of. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. There's concern in Washington after 11 Russian and Chinese warships carried out an operation near Alaska's Aleutian Islands. The Navy, in response, sent destroyers to shadow the fleet before it left the area without entering U.S. territory. Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan said the incident is a reminder we've entered a new era of authoritarian aggression led by dictators in Beijing and Moscow. He called for a greater military presence in Alaska. The U.S. is helping Americans leave Niger amid a military takeover of that country. Mark Mayfield reports. For some reason, we're not getting any audio. We'll move on. Polls are opening this morning for Ohio's special election. The singular item appearing on ballots across the state is issue one. The measure would require future state constitutional amendments to get support from 60 percent of voters in order to pass, as opposed to the current simple majority requirement. The proposed rule has seen support and opposition from a wide range of political advocacy groups due to its potential impact on the proposed amendment going before voters in the fall, which would enshrine abortion rights in the state constitution. 
State officials say close to 700,000 Ohioans have voted early in the special election. That's more than three times the voter turnout in Ohio's 2022 primaries. Two U.S. military veterans are dead after a drone strike in Ukraine. Former U.S. Marine Lance Lawrence and former Army officer Andrew Weber died July 29th fighting in an operation against Russian forces. That's according to various media reports and public posts from those who knew them. At least 14 American citizens have died while fighting in Ukraine since the war broke out. Home prices are up and reaching highs across the country. A new report from Black Knight says prices went up by 0.8% in June after a long slowdown. Prices hit record levels in about 60% of major housing markets in the U.S. Annual price growth has overall been highest in the Midwest and Northeast U.S., and specifically in Hartford, Connecticut, Seattle, and San Jose. And Zoom is telling its employees it's time to come back to the office. The platform became the staple app during the height of the COVID pandemic at work and for personal use. A spokesperson for Zoom said the company believes a, quote, structured hybrid approach would be the most effective for its employees. Workers who live close to an office will be required to work on site so as to be better able to interact with their teams. Matt, I feel like there's a bigger lesson here. I mean, there's always some irony. I know, right? But, uh, you know, like with a lot of products, it's always interesting to know if the person who is selling you the product uses the product. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So if if you're a uh, Zoom employee... You're going to go buy a car from a Honda dealer, but the guy... Selling it to you drives a Ford. That tells you something. Yeah, it's a little problematic. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. But uh, I, uh, I guess it's good to know that Zoom employees use Zoom. I suppose so. I don't know. The... I'm not even sure what you and I are using to talk to one another right now. We're testing out a video system uh-huh. for possibly putting uh, pictures and videos of ourselves. Are you like? Are you looking so at me can... right now? I'm looking at, well, I'm looking at a digital representation of you. <laughs> I want to make some philosophical distinctions. Yeah. I was um, I was informed that uh, soon after Labor Day, the Sunrise Morning Show will be available on video. We're getting every, we're, we're trying to get all the kinks worked out. you see what we look out. like this time of morning, I'm sure. Hey, don't be negative. Okay. I'm not being negative. I'm actually wearing a rosary shirt. Uh, today I know. For the I'm Feast seeing of Saint it. Dominic. Yeah, is that uh, so, Washington D.C. on your shirt? Yeah, it's I like the shape of Washington D.C. with like a rosary yeah. hanging out the bottom. There I you gotta go. say, it is nice to see you. Like yeah, it's nice a to see digital representation, representation of you. Of you. <laughs> Distinctions matter, Anna Mitchell. It's true. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He is the author of Personal Prayer, a guide. For receiving the Father's love, he co-wrote it with Father Thomas Acklin, a fellow Benedictine. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. And today we get to talk about Eucharistic adoration, and you devote uh, several pages to this in Chapter 8 of your book, uh, which is about prayer with word and sacrament. This is something Pope Francis recently re-emphasized, uh, actually before World Youth Day, and then went to World Youth Day and led a whole bunch of people in it. <laughs> this is something that I think... 
some Catholics are surprised to to realize how big of a devotion this is, uh, because so often Eucharistic adoration happens in the quiet of chapels with just a few people present. So for those who have not participated in Eucharistic adoration, maybe explain what it is and what the draw is. Well, Eucharistic adoration is, is based on our Catholic belief that Jesus Christ is really present in the Eucharist, and that that's a sustained presence. He's not sort of present during Mass and when we receive communion only, but the bread is actually transubstantiated into his body, blood, soul, and divinity, the whole Christ, really Jesus. He is really there as he was there in his glorified body with the apostles and the resurrection. He's there with us in that in that form. And so why wouldn't we spend time with him would be the kind of counter question to, uh, to asking for an explanation. And so spending time with him in the Eucharist, and then in a, in a special way, uh, adding some liturgical rites to it, and it's, it's kind of the point that I make in this chapter, which I have to be honest, I don't hear other people making, but I think it's really important that the Eucharistic adoration is not just a devotion, like the Rosary. You mentioned St. Dominic and the Rosary. That's a devotion. And, but Eucharistic adoration is actually liturgical. The Eucharist itself, of course, is the fruit of liturgy. Uh, but also adoration itself is a liturgical uh, rite where the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament in the monstrance on the altar, that the Lord can be uh, seen and He is displayed, but but that that happens in a liturgical rite, and then also that the benediction that is intended to end Eucharistic adoration is also a liturgical rite. And so that's the reason that somebody has to be there at all times, not to guard him. You know, I don't know that the 97-year-old uh, who's there is uh, really going to guard him against being taken or something, but, uh, but rather because we're extending a rite. You have to have, for a liturgy, you have to have a person present. So anyway, all of that is to say it's a really powerful way that we as a church continue to adore the ongoing presence of Christ among us in the Blessed Sacrament. And so that has all of the effect of being a liturgy and that we're doing it together, but then the, the, the personal dimension, which is, of course, the focus of the whole book, uh, is how do, I, how do I pray personally? How do I have that personal connection with God? doing that in the presence, in the midst of a liturgy that's extended in silence, where I can be with Jesus, who is really present, is a, is a really powerful way to pray. And I, that's something that's just blossomed since the Second Vatican Council, as I, I can't remember if I said it in this particular section, but I've said it many times, that I think we've had more hours of Eucharistic adoration since the Council 60 years ago than we had in the previous 1900 years in the Church. Just amazing how widespread that is that has become now. And there's all kinds of fruit that comes from this devotion. Uh, I talked to so many people for whom that's the that's where their vocation, uh, you know, was really clarified for them is in these moments of Eucharistic adoration. And I got to tell you, Father, when I wake up in the morning and I try and have my quiet time of prayer, I'm sometimes, you know good at it, quote-unquote, and sometimes not so good at it, and sometimes I can focus and sometimes I can't, but the most fruitful time of silent prayer that I have is when I can be just me in the room with the Blessed Sacrament, even if there are other people there, where there's no music, there's no words, there's no me talking, right? There's just me sitting there. I find that to be an extraordinarily sort of clarifying thing, but 
there are a lot of people um, who who understand that and who who go to Eucharistic Eucharistic adoration with some regularity. But there's some people here who hear it talked about all the time and have probably never set foot in an adoration chapel. So, do you have any, I guess, sort of crash course tips for someone? who would like to go in there but is afraid they're going to do the wrong thing, isn't sure exactly what they're supposed to do with the time, what would you say to someone who has never really done this before to encourage them and to maybe tell them what they should do uh, when they walk in? Yeah, that's uh, and <clears throat> Yeah, you can't do the wrong thing. <laughs> um, you know, the basic thing is, again, it's really Jesus, so... Uh, making that as real uh, for us, so that's a reality objectively, but then do I respond subjectively, interiorly to that, that reality? And, and that's uh, what I outlined. I really love the words of Pope Benedict from World Youth Day in 2005 when he talked about the two movements of adoration. The word in Greek is proskinesis, which is to humble myself, to prostrate myself, and a lot of times we do that when we come into an adoration chapel. We genuflect certainly, before the Lord, like we would for the tabernacle, but He's there in the you know, present before us. And we lower ourselves, we realize that we're in the presence of Him who is the God of all, who has created all things. But then also, adoratio in Latin is, is a kiss. We let Him draw close to us, and we think He has invited us to be in this kind of intimate setting with Him. And then speak to Him from your heart. You know, He said, you know, priests who have found their uh, vocation in front of the Eucharist, you're talking to one of those priests. Um, I, you know, speak from your heart and ask your questions. What are the things that are there that uh, you really want to bring before him? And uh, imagine him just sitting there across from you, because he really is. It's not just your imagination, but we engage that reality a little bit better when we try to put some pictures to it in our minds, and that helps us to, to speak to him. And what would he say back to you? What what's going on in your heart in those moments. And so just uh, making it a natural time of prayer, but just as real, real as possible for us, that that is really Him in the Eucharist. And then see what opens up. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And uh, great to hear that there, you're yet another one of those people I know then <laughs> who, uh, who helped their, <laughs> you know, their vocation clarified in those, in those moments. Uh, you know, at the Coming Home Network, uh, a few years back, I was asked a question by one of our members who comes from a Lutheran background, and they were asking for tips, uh, you know, of what to do. They heard this amazing thing called adoration, and they wanted to try it, but they weren't sure what to do and, and how to do it and how long uh, you have to be there for it to count and, you know, all the questions that you might ask if you have no idea what it is. And the one piece of advice I gave to them was don't show up at, uh, you know, the top of the hour you know, like a couple minutes before 11 o'clock or a couple minutes after 11 o'clock, because the person there might think you're their relief, and then you might be uh, left alone in there. So if you're going to try it for the first <laughs> time, go up maybe like a quarter past <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but go. Just go. I bet you'd be surprised to find out how many places there are within driving distance of you that have this. So uh, Father Boniface Hicks, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Good to be with you, Matt. Again, Father Boniface's book that he did together with Father Thomas Acklin is called Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got headlines coming up after the break. It's quarter past. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We've been going through...
years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. A severe... that is. It's headlines. Yeah, headlines. A severe storm outbreak affecting millions of Americans is now causing widespread travel issues. Polls are opening this morning for Ohio's August special election with major implications for November. And the Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace. Matt, it is artificial intelligence and peace. Well... It's a hot topic, Anna Mitchell. I know it. It's a hot topic. We're trying to trying to do our best to I think we know what well, we're gonna be on vacation next week. So in two yeah. weeks it'll have to be your topic with Father with Ray. Father Ray. Yeah. So Anna Mitchell, I was thinking of you and actually um my wife pointed this out because she heard it in the context of her school and, you know, some of the administration things that were going on and planning for the new school year. Right, right. Um a lot of us think of this passage in terms of what uh, Rita Heikenfeld uh, discusses. Uh, but yesterday, the first reading at Mass was from Numbers chapter 11. It is like one of the go-to Bible foods passages. Um, so the children of Israel lamented that they are going back, they're going into the desert, but they remember the fish they used to eat, the cucumbers, mm-hmm. the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Uh, basically, we've done Bible foods right. segments on all of those Yeah, things. exactly. Uh, but then they get the manna. Which is like coriander seed, mm-hmm. and Rita's talking about that too um, mm-hmm. from time to time. And Moses hears people grumbling because they're tired of manna at this point. And uh, Moses makes the point: uh, I cannot carry all this people by myself, Lord. They are too heavy for me. If if this is the way that you will deal with me, then please do me the favor of killing me at once, so that I need no longer face this distress. <laughs> so I just want to point out 
that we talk about the Bible and its relevance to daily life. But mm-hmm. I just want to remind people that nearly every possible manifestation of the human struggle is captured in the scriptures. Even the one that goes, why did you put me in charge of these people, Lord? Why don't you just kill me instead? Which every parent It would be understands. so much easier to just be dead right Lord, now. Lord, why'd you put in, me in charge of these people? Oh my gosh. You should have seen my What's kids Bill last 11? night. They're getting all kinds this, of, you know. People are driving me crazy. All kinds of antsiness waiting for the school year to begin once again. And the extreme boredom that they have been enduring for weeks and weeks and weeks because they have a very boring mom. Um, yeah. The struggle is real. The struggle, the struggle is, real. is real. And Moses knew it. And, Mo- and he was one Moses of God's best totally friends. Understood. So we can manage ourselves. <laughs> it's 21 past. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. By underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. The Universal Prayer by Pope Clement XI. Lord, I believe in you but let me believe more strongly. I hope in you, but let me hope more confidently. I love you, but let me love you more ardently. I adore you as my first beginning. I long for you as my last end. I praise you as my constant benefactor. I call upon you as my loving protector. Guide me by your wisdom. Hold me by your justice. Comfort me with your mercy. Protect me with your power. I offer you, Lord, my thoughts, that they may be fixed on you my words, that they may be about you, my actions, that they may be regulated by you, my sufferings, that they may be endured for you. Enlighten my mind, inflame my will, purify my heart, sanctify my soul. Grant that I may prepare for death, be concerned about judgment, flee from hell, and obtain paradise through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show Marlon De La Torre. He's Senior Director for the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Covington. I almost said Covington. For the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So over at Knowing is Doing, you consider this question of whether I can be a good person apart from God. Now, Marlon, I don't want to hijack this conversation, but can I get something off my chest first? Please do. 
I really hate this idea. I mean, okay, I yes, if you okay. have this banal and dare I say Protestant mm-hmm. understanding of good, sure. then yeah. yes, I guess you can be a good person. But mm-hmm. we as Catholics know that we are created good, mm-hmm. and that cannot happen apart from God. Correct. No, you're absolutely right. I think um, it's something I encounter more often now than ever before. It's it's tied into the, the this notion of indifference, whether do I need something divine? Do I need a divine entity to tell me that I'm good? Or can I just define it myself? Can I just be a, a simply good person and know that maybe there's a God there? Or that's fine. He's a happy-go-lucky, jolly man. But really, I, I, deep down inside, I'm a good person. I'm not mean. I'm not immoral. Um, I have different values, et cetera. And so this this has become more prevalent than ever before. And uh, you, you can't separate really water from the human body. Our, our, our body is really composed literally of 90% water based on the latest uh, scientific evidence that we have of our human body. Uh, and that varies. But um, the same premise, you can't separate really the soul from God. And that really is is part of the the understanding of this article is the fact that there's something that that drives our inner workings, both spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and psychologically. So that intellect and will have to coincide with something that is ordered towards the good or towards the divine. Um, it can't just operate in its own little vacuum. And, and that's really part of the genesis. And I could have gone so many different avenues with this article, especially say redemptive suffering, identity, anthropology. Mm-hmm. But this this was a, a, a at least an initial entry into this fray. Yeah, you are much kinder in your consideration of this question than yeah. <laughs> than I ever can be um, in, in conversations. Yeah. That's why you are director of the Department of Evangelization, <laughs> and I sit here on Catholic Radio. But, you know, the, you're, you're meeting people where they're at, which yeah. is uh, the the most important thing or one mm-hmm. of the most important things to, to do when, when talking to somebody who is in this mindset that I can yeah. be a good person apart from God. So with that in mind, talk about personal freedom and being good. Okay, I think the, the, there is a, there's a common mistake amongst Catholic and non-Protestant or, or even unknown that personal freedom really is based on your own literal understanding of what you're, you're allowed to do on a daily basis. So there's no impediment. Uh, there is no consequence. Uh, there is no, quote-unquote, uh, moral compass that you have to live your life according to a certain code or or rule, and and that's just not true because the fact is I can't go out in the street in New York City, for example, and just punch somebody in the face. Though that's been happening over the last three years, uh, where the person justified themselves in assaulting someone just because they wanted to. Well, how is that defined? Is that a morally good act or an immoral act? It's an immoral act. It's a violation of someone's humanity and freedom. It's a violation of their ordered good. And for us, it's important that any human being realize that that there is a standard of living, a standard of preaching, and a standard of worshiping. And those standards exist because we have an intellect and a will and we have a conscience that drives us to determine what is good and what is evil. If the premise that we're always all good, then what can be defined as evil? Then what is a bad act? What does that look like? So then the, the, the issue of, say, specifically fornication, adultery, contraception, or God forbid, um, looking at the whole issue of LGBTQ, all right, for, mm-hmm. for those who are hearing right now and are probably going to get some hate mail just for mentioning those letters, um, all that has to be ordered towards something that either resonates towards the divine or it does not. 
it, it is that clear. Uh, unfortunately, for some, it may not be. But that, that's the whole premise of, of this focus is the fact that there is an ordered good. We are made in goodness. We are made out of love. That love just cannot be ignored, even though we try. And, and that's es- essentially this first step in this article is, look, you were made by God. Whether you want to ascend to it or not, there is an ordered structure to why you believe what you believe, and that literally from the origin of your soul, it's ordered towards the good. You may avoid it, and that's fine, but you cannot obliterate it. Yeah, you you may avoid it, but you're also then avoiding true happiness. Of course, of course, and that and that's the thing is, true joy comes with the willingness to offer yourself for someone and expect nothing in return. Mm-hmm. That that is the servitude of, of of our very being. That that's our makeup. And if I'm not ordered towards serving someone, there's something wrong with me. And there's more joy in embracing the suffering of a human being or serving someone who is in greater need than I than anything else. And that's part of this equation that's missing. It's the fact that we've lost the sense of serving our fellow brother and sister in Christ, but truthfully giving ourselves, not so I can feel good, but because they are in need. Yep. So Marlon and like, 20 seconds or less, where would you tell someone to start in forming his or her conscience if they're not ready to read the catechism cover to cover? Oh, absolutely. I think first and foremost for them to see themselves as, am I a servant to someone in need? Do I expect anything in return? If I don't, then that's the first step. That's good. We've been talking to Marlon De La Torre. Go read his piece on this over at knowingisdoing.org. You can find it linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Marlon, thank you so much, and go Bucks. Most welcome, Annie. Go Bucks. And, of course, you can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for today, and don't forget to hit subscribe as well. Get it in your inbox. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A severe storm outbreak affecting millions of Americans caused widespread travel issues yesterday. FlightAware reports there were more than 1,700 flight cancellations within, into, or out of the U.S. yesterday. More than 8,300 flights were delayed. The weather has resulted in at least two deaths and is bringing widespread damaging wind, hail, and flooding to parts of the south and east coast where the FAA implemented several ground stops earlier in the day. Some tornado washes have ended in the Northeast. Hundreds of thousands of customers have been without power. Polls are opening this morning in Ohio for an August special election. The singular item appearing on ballots today across the state is issue one. The measure would require future state constitutional amendments to get support from 60% of voters in order to pass, as opposed to the current simple majority requirement to amend the state constitution. The proposed rule has seen support and opposition from a wide range of political advocacy groups due to the potential impact on the proposed amendment going before November's November voters, which would enshrine abortion in the state constitution. State officials say close to 700,000 Ohioans have already voted early in the special election. That's more than three times the voter turnout in Ohio's 2022 primary election. Two U.S. military veterans are dead after a drone strike in Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. Former U.S. Marine Lance Lawrence and former Army officer Andrew Weber died July 29th fighting in an operation against Russian forces. 
That's according to various media reports and public posts from some who knew them. At least 14 American citizens have died while fighting in Ukraine since the war broke out. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace, which takes place every year on New Year's Day. The theme will be artificial intelligence and peace. A note from the Holy See acknowledges the remarkable advances made in the field of artificial intelligence and which are having a rapidly increasing impact on human activity, personal and social life, politics, and the economy. It says the urgent need to orient the concept and use of artificial intelligence in a responsible way so that it may be at the service of humanity and the protection of our common home requires that ethical reflection be extended to the sphere of education and law. It says the protection and dignity of the human person and concern for a fraternity effectively open to the entire human family are indispensable conditions. Pope Francis, on his flight back to Rome on Sunday, reflected on the young people he encountered at World Youth Day. Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis said he was very positively impressed by the huge participation and enthusiasm shown by so many youths in Lisbon and also by the successful organisation of the event, the best of the four he has attended so far, he said. Commenting on the young people attending the Youth Day, the Pope noted that they are religious, looking for non-hostile, non-artificial and non-formalistic faith, which he said is not easy. Some may object that young people today don't always abide by moral rules. However, Pope Francis remarked, we all make mistakes in life. And despite this, the Lord is always waiting for us because he is merciful while highlighting the need to accompany young people as they seek to look forward pope francis further stressed once again the vital importance of dialogue between old and young so they don't lose their roots in the conversation amongst other things the pope also spoke about his repeated assertion that the church is open to all with no exception Asked by a reporter if he didn't think that this assertion was somehow incoherent with the fact that some people, such as women and homosexual people, do not have the same rights and cannot receive some sacraments, Pope Francis insisted that the Catholic Church welcomes everyone and that it has a duty to accompany them on a personal path of spirituality, but within the framework of its rules. Each person encounters God in their own way inside the church, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35. The Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Death, afflictions, and other disasters, which are punishments for sin, become, through the gentle mercy of God, so many steps to climb up to heaven, so many means to grow in grace, and so many merits to gain glory. Therefore it is right to say that we should love poverty, hunger, thirst, sadness, sickness, persecution, and death because they are the just punishments for our faults, punishments so tempered by divine mercy that their very bitterness becomes something to be loved. For the person who believes that God is everything, the world must count as nothing. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. We've been going through Father Augustine Weta's book, Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. He's a Benedictine monk, and uh, he's collected a lot of great stories about old monks. And uh, they're great launch points for practical wisdom as we head out into the world. Father Augustine, good morning. Good morning. But today we're actually talking about pigs. Uh, you got a monk story uh, having to do with an analogy uh, that an older monk said to a younger monk about how pigs uh, are bad, but we can be worse. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, you basically said it. It's one of the shorter little stories in my book, but an elder said, the pig always does what is in his nature. Sadly, man can stoop even lower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all know that from personal experience. Uh, but when it comes to this question of, of stooping low and, you know, really sullying ourselves and getting down in the muck. Uh, right. What are, some, what are some ways that you think that we allow ourselves to do that? Because objectively, I think that most of the time when we're doing terrible things and, you know, making fools and idiots of ourselves, we probably know it on some level. So why do we keep doing it? Sure. Well, because it's fun. <laughs> um, I, I have a friend who is an exorcist for the Diocese of Kansas City. And I asked him once if the movie The Exorcist was realistic, and he just sort of smirked, and he said, boy, if evil were that ugly, everybody would be good. Uh, The point is that evil things are often fun, and I think that's why we do it. But I put this under thinking, under the category of how to think about a problem, because I think as rational beings with a temptation to do evil, we tend to, well make excuses for all the evil that we do and to and i think we have an astonishing capacity for self-deception um when i when i was in college uh i i both played on a rugby team lived with a bunch of rugby players and worked in the kitchen so i was always bringing back the leftovers and uh this one time i brought back a six foot by four foot red velvet cake the problem was that the next day we had a game uh, so 
none of us are sure whether we should eat it or not, but I came up with this astonishing theory that a creature would not evolve that preferred food that was bad for it. So we all said, that's genius, let's eat the cake. And we did, and of course we lost the game. And there was also nasty red vomit all over the field the next day. Uh, probably should have left that detail out. But in any case, uh, the point being that, like, I just, if you really want to believe something about yourself, you can pretty much talk yourself into it. I mean, think of how many people think today that there's that male and female are arbitrary labels that we just sort of paste on people. Um, I think when it comes to doing, well, doing what we like, we can pretty much find any excuse. Well, this is why, you know, and I have this kind of conversation all the time with people who are coming to the church from Sola Scriptura backgrounds, you know, mm. and you can make the Bible say literally anything you want. <laughs> I mean, oh, you, sure. really, you really can. You know, people are like, I don't know, man. Some people are misinterpreting the Pope's words. I'm like, not near as bad as people misinterpret Jesus's words. I'm telling <laughs> you, like, you can yeah, make well, Jesus put a, a rubber stamp on anything you want to do already. Sure. My sister w- said that Saint Benedict, no, uh, Pope Benedict, people misunderstood him and hated him for it. They misunderstand Francis and love him for it. So. As far as she's concerned, it's a net gain, but I agree. I think that if you want the Bible to say something terrible, it will. Uh, because well, And even Satan quotes Scripture, right? So that's an easy thing to do, frankly. With a book well, that big, you're bound to find something that agrees with you. Yeah, take anything out of context, and you can use it however you want. But you, know, you mentioned that rugby game, uh, and you know, eating that velvet cake— the night before and how everything ended in disaster. <laughs> you know, my son had a lacrosse tournament uh, a little while ago, and they won their early game, which meant that they got to go on to a later game, but the later game was like at 1, uh, which is right around lunchtime, right <laughs> after lunchtime. And all the parents were supposed to bring snacks, and we were supposed to bring, like, healthy stuff, but, you know, people bring, like, the, the mixed packet of, like, 500 bags of Doritos, like, in a box and, sure. you know, cookies and all this other stuff. And the coach is like, all right, you know, these games are only 40 minutes, so just stick it out, and after this game, you know, we'll have all the snacks. Yeah. You know, just drink water and Gatorade, and, and then, you know, try not to eat anything. Well, guess what the kids do? They just, like, plunder it. And guess what happened? Right. They got crushed. <laughs> yeah. Know? They yeah, got well, crushed. Because in the moment, you know, the, the food it feels like such a great idea. Yeah. Uh, but, in fact, going hungry is sometimes the better, the better path. Well, what would be something to say to somebody who, like, they know their decisions are hurting them, but they can't. They just can't look away from the shiny thing. They can't stay away from the bite of red velvet cake. Or maybe they can't stay away from the next drink or whatever it happens to be, even though they know. Like, rationally, they know the consequences. They just don't feel like they can fight it. Like, what would you say to them to keep from going into the pigsty? Well, I think I would say first go to confession because you never know. It might... uh might get a miracle <laughs> but then also um you know, it, it perse- you know perseverance is a is a virtue that i think is highly underrated today we tend to want immediate results and uh e- even in virtue we think you know if we don't achieve them straight away that that we're doing something wrong uh so i was just uh, we're in the middle of our monastery retreat and the the retreat giver used the expression about he said it was 
He referred to the tyranny, the tyranny of the immediate, that everything's got to be done and done now, or else it, it, it feels somehow unsatisfactory. But virtue takes work and, and thought and prayer. <laughs> really, you have to wait for these things to happen. The best, the best things. Oh heck, I'm gonna have. To, I'm gonna sound like an internet meme, but the best things in life are worth waiting for, right? Well, that's okay if you sound like that every once in a while. Father Augustine Weta, his book on making better decisions with the help of the Church Fathers, think, uh, Pray, Think, Act, uh, is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. It's a great read. Um, it's a great, like, bite-sized, like, read one little section in the morning kind of book. And it's linked again at sunrisemorningshow.com. Well, we talked to a Benedictine, actually talked to two Benedictines this hour, but it's the Feast of St. Dominic, so we should probably talk to a Dominican before the morning is out. And we will, after the break. Father Patrick Briscoe, OP, will join us and uh, talk a little bit about how he's celebrating the day and an upcoming rosary pilgrimage that he's a part of. Stay with us. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. Fourteen minutes before the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. A severe storm outbreak has affected millions of Americans and caused widespread travel issues. Polls are now open in Ohio for a special election that has major implications for a proposed abortion amendment in November. And the Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace, Artificial Intelligence and Peace. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show and a daily reminder that what you are hearing is it's actual humans involved. So this is not so someone far. who sampled Anna Mitchell's voice or so my far. voice and is 
creating a reasonable facsimile of our personalities based on our previous behaviors. It's us. But next week you'll be hearing the best of the Sunrise Morning Show. Which was us. Which was us, but is... How would you how would you describe that, Matt? Uh, it's a recording. A recording. Okay. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Well, that's next week. And man, let me just say, I know some people like check out when they're like, oh, it's best. Our best ofs are really good. They are really good. Not because of us, because of the guests. Who so, are not us, by the way. I just want to make sure. Do not. We're miss. muddying the waters. Please Not everything to is listen. us. Anyway, go ahead, Matt. Thank you, Anna Mitchell. It is the Feast of St. Dominic this August 8th, and we might as well talk to a Dominican about it. Father Patrick Briscoe is editor of our Sunday Visitor. He's a Dominican friar, and uh, it's great to talk to you, Father Patrick. Good morning. Hey, good morning, friends. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so how do you plan to celebrate your founder today? Well, I am here in Ohio, actually, in Columbus. With the brethren, so we'll have a we'll have a big mass at eleven forty-five, and then a proper festal celebration afterward. So I think the key part would be to be with be with the community. That was part of Saint Dominic's vision that we would be together, uh, that we'd be together in undertaking this mission of preaching not as solo actors, but but preaching as brothers. You're in Saint Gabriel Radio Country there in Columbus. You're not at Saint Patrick's, are you? And nailed it. Absolutely, I am. That's like a Dominican hub right there. Beautiful church, some really cool stuff that goes on at St. Patrick. And I know a lot of our Columbus area listeners very familiar with that parish. Uh, For those who don't know St. Dominic and his his deal, I mean, I I guess maybe they see a whole bunch of priests in these white habits with rosaries hanging off their belts. Uh, What was his vision for the order, and how has that carried through to the present day? Yeah, one place that I like to start with St. Dominic is I'd like to point out that, ironically, despite the fact that he founded an order known for intellectuals, St. Dominic didn't write much. We have literally only a few letters to cloistered nuns. That's like the only thing we have from his hand. So we don't have great volumes of his thought to study, which means that we, when we say, who is he and what did he do, we really have to look at his project which was founding the Order of Preachers, because in founding the Order, St. Dominic bequeathed to the Church a way of life, a novel way of life, um, and it's a way of life that's lived by friars, by sisters, and can be shared in, uh, by the lady, by anyone who loves him. So what is that, what is that way of life? What are its keys? Well, I talked a little bit about community. Part of it is living, living together and making a communal witness of the faith. Part of that way of life that St. Dominic gave us was a love for the truth, a love for study. You see, in his in his time in the 13th century, uh, there was a lot of uh, there were there were a lot of challenges in the church, uh, especially in the region where he was active in the south of France. A lot of people had fallen away from the faith, and they'd been taken up, caught up in these different visions of Christian life. One of them was called Albigensianism, and that that heresy had to be set straight. These ideas had to be meted out, and people had to be drawn back to the church. So a love of a love of truth is part of that. So we've got the common life, a love of truth, and then a deep life of prayer. I would say it's another one of the core elements. St. Dominic was a canon, historically, so that meant that he lived in a 
in a community um, by a cathedral with uh, that was overseen by a bishop and prayed regularly with the other priests who lived there. And I think that's a key part of our life, too, keeping that kind of contemplative flame alive of a resolved peacefulness in the midst of the chaos of the world. They've uh, left such an extraordinary legacy to the to the church. Um, of course, you know, Thomas Aquinas, perhaps the most famous of the Dominicans, uh, but his predecessor, his mentor, St. Albert the Great, pretty famous Dominican as well. Uh, you know, and I think there's some misunderstanding uh, sometimes about what it means for the church to try and combat a heresy. In this case, you referred to what the Dominicans had to combat with the Albigensian heresy, and some people might say, oh, what's the problem with just, like, an idea? Why can't people just have, like, their own ideas, and why can't we just, you know, allow for freedom in the marketplace of ideas? Well, Albigensians were doing some weird stuff, man. I mean, like, they were they were baptizing people on their deathbeds and then immediately euthanizing them. I mean, there's a bad stuff that was going on when St. Dominic was rolling around, so it's amazing that it was not an order that, you know, the fervor of it died out once it kind of solved one of the problems it was founded to solve. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, Albigensianism was a kind of rigorism, and you see, um, you see different aspects of it, I think, kind of crop up today. Like part of Albigensianism was a disgust for the human body. And the solemn sacrament, I mean, you referred to ritual suicide, the solemn sacrament in Albigensianism was to starve oneself to starve oneself, and so liberate the soul from its flesh cage, to liberate the soul from the body, which is, which is really a horrific thing, because, of course, we're not just our body, we're not just our soul, but we are our body, and we are our soul. And, uh, the, and Catholic teaching a right understanding of reality insists on a unity of both. So you, just, you see, how, you, you see how, how tough this stuff is, and how it resonates today. Yeah, there's elements of it that spring up in, in so many different ways. But the other thing, too, and I want to talk about uh, this because you've got an opportunity related to it, um, the, the rosary, right? The Do- Dominicans are known for carrying around rosaries on their belt. And uh, I wonder if you could maybe uh, explain a little bit of why that is and uh, point us towards the rosary and pilgrimage that uh, you're going to be part of. Absolutely. So St. Dominic was known for his love for the Blessed Monarch. In the Church, the Dominicans are the first religious order to include the name of the Virgin Mary in our vows, in our, our profession. So we've been, we've been very dedicated to Our Lady since the very beginning. Uh, we quickly adopted the custom of singing the Salve after Compline. We have our own tone for it. So the, these and, uh, and other ancient medieval traditions point to our love of the Virgin Mary from the early stages of the Order, St. Dominic's own love of the Virgin Mary, and um, again, was well known. Uh, so Dominicans um, quickly picked up the rosary and became uh, ardently devoted to it. So we have um, the, the pious custom of understanding that St. Dominic was given the rosary by Our Lady, and, and certainly that represents the Order's love for the Rosary and how Dominicans, the sons of Dominic, took to spreading the Rosary. So what we've put together this fall, we're, we're tremendously excited about this, it's going to be a beautiful day, is a pilgrimage to the National Shrine, to the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, Our Lady's house, as it's sometimes called, here in the United States, in Washington, D.C. And the the idea is that this this day, this event on September 30th, uh, dedicated to the Rosary, will open the month of October, will open the month of the Rosary, 
and give us all an opportunity to reflect on the Virgin Mary and on the role of the Rosary in our lives. It's going to be an amazing day, an amazing pilgrimage day. Well, that's uh, the kind of thing that a lot of people are within driving range of. But it's even better if you're someone who lives at the Dominican House of Studies because a pilgrimage to the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception is about, what, like 60 yards? Let's say I, I frequently scoop the indulgences, yes. <laughs> there you go, because it's right across the street. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, there, there's... Well, there's a, there's a whole lot more that you can find uh, if you go to the website. For more information, rosarypilgrimage.org. Again, rosarypilgrimage.org. Uh, I may have to figure out how, to, how I can get down there, because that's not too far from me either. Father Patrick Briscoe. Oh, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I, I'm, I, may, I may show up. You never know. I won't tell you, though. I'll, I'll just sneak in, into the back, and just pray <laughs> along. Uh, but Father Patrick Briscoe is editor of our Sunday Visitor, Dominican Friar, joining us on this Feast of St. Dominic. Again, rosarypilgrimage.org to find out more information about that. Happy Feast Day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. God bless. All right. And thank you. we got another full hour coming up for many of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It is three minutes till. It is Tuesday, the 8th of August, the Feast of St. Dominic. Let's pray a prayer of his in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May God the Father who made us bless us. May God the Son who redeemed us send healing into our midst. May God the Holy Spirit who gives us life move within us. May God give us eyes to see to God, ears to hear God, and may our hands bring God's work into the world. May we walk with God and preach the word of God to all. May the angel of peace watch over us and lead us at last, by God's grace, to the eternal kingdom. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Dominic, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on a Tuesday morning. Glad you're along. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, we have much of which to speak. Catherine Fishlock will discuss a traditional St. Dominic sequence. And uh, it's a sing-along. Well, it's only a sing-along if you know the words. If you don't, you can just listen along. Dr. Jim Schrader will give us some back-to-school tips uh, and maybe some wellness and uh, emotional health advice for you and your kids as you get ready for that. Steve Ray will be along as well. Uh, Chris McGregor to look ahead actually to the Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross and how she appears in the Office of Readings this week. So stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. There's concern in Washington after 11 Russian and Chinese warships carried out an operation near Alaska's Aleutian Islands. The Navy, in response, sent destroyers to shadow the fleet before it left the area without entering 
U.S. territory. Alaska Senator Dan Sullivan is now calling for a greater military presence in Alaska. The U.S. is helping Americans leave Niger amid a military takeover of that country. Mark Mayfield reports. State Department spokesman Matthew Miller said more than 100 U.S. citizens were evacuated from the country last week. This is in addition to many U.S. embassy personnel who were ordered to evacuate. Miller added that the U.S. is ready to help any other Americans in the country seeking assistance to leave. Nigerian President Mohamed Barzoum was arrested along with his family and a general was declared head of state. Barzoum was elected in 2021 in what was Niger's first democratic transition since its independence from France. I'm Mark Mayfield. Polls are now open in Ohio for a special election today. The one item appearing on ballots across the state is issue one. It would require future state constitutional amendments to get 60 percent of the vote in order to pass, as opposed to the current simple majority requirement for amending the state constitution. The proposed rule has seen support and opposition from a wide range of political advocacy groups, mainly because of its potential impact on the proposed amendment going before voters in November, which would enshrine abortion in the state constitution if passed. State officials say close to 700,000 Ohioans have voted early in this special election. That's more than three times the voter turnout in Ohio's 2022 primaries. The Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace, which takes place on New Year's Day. The theme will be artificial intelligence and peace. A note from the Holy See says, quote, the protection of the dignity of the person and concern for a fraternity effectively open to the entire human family are indispensable conditions for technological development to help contribute to the promotion of justice and peace in the world, end quote. Pope Francis has written a letter to the priests of the Diocese of Rome. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Pope Francis first and foremost expressed gratitude for their precious and often hidden service. At the same time, he warned them of what he described as the worst evils of priestly ministry, spiritual worldliness, and clericalism, evils which he has denounced continuously over the past decade. Priests, he said, can fall prey to these evils when they allow themselves to be fascinated by seductions of the ephemeral, by mediocrity and habit, by temptations of power and social influence. The Pope warned, too, of the dangers of vainglory and narcissism, doctrinal intransigence and liturgical asceticism, and all the ways and means by which worldliness can hide behind appearances of religiosity. The antidote to these failings, the Pope said, lies in praise, a sense of grace, and a kind of wonder at the gratuitousness of God's love. But above all, he continued, there is a daily antidote, namely to look upon Christ crucified, to fix one's eyes every day on him who emptied himself and humbled himself for us, even unto death. Despite the many failings and inadequacies the priests may fall prey to, Pope Francis encouraged them not to be discouraged and called on them to join him in rolling up their sleeves and bending their knees in prayer, inviting them to pray for one another to the Spirit so that they might not fail in their vocations but live up to their calling as passionate heralds of the gospel and true shepherds of their people. Pope Francis concluded his letter by assuring the priests of Rome of his own prayers for them, especially to Mary, Salus Populi Romani, to whom he has entrusted all of them. I have asked her to guard and protect you, he wrote, to dry your secret tears, to revive you in the joy of ministry, and to make you, each day, shepherds in love with Jesus. 
I'm Christopher Wells. And with college football just around the corner, the preseason coaches poll is out with Georgia sitting atop, receiving 61 first place votes. The Bulldogs coming off back-to-back national championship victories after crushing TCU in the title game last year. The Horn Frogs are 16th in the rankings. Michigan, Alabama, my Ohio State Buckeyes, and LSU round out the top five. Go Bucks. Today is Tuesday, August the 8th. Thanks so much for listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's seven past. Catherine Fishlock here in studio on the Sunrise Morning Show. Professional singer, musician, and teacher. Instructor of the novices (laughs) in the ways of chant for the eastern province of the Dominicans. Catherine, it's good to see you. Nice to be here. Happy Feast of St. Dominic. It's a solemnity mm-hmm. in the order that he founded, the Order of Preachers, more commonly known as the Dominicans. And um, so as such, they have some special elements for the liturgy for the Feast of St. Dominic. Can right. you, um, to So to sort of lay the groundwork for um, what we're going to hear from you today, remind us what a sequence is. Yeah, so um, we have talked about these wonderful poetic texts um, a couple of times before on air. A sequence is basically a poem written specific to the feast day um, that it would be sung on. And mm-hmm. they used to be, they were very, very popular before uh, before the Council of Trent. And then Trent kind of reined it in and <laughs> said, okay, they're just a feud that we can use. And so, uh, and St. Dominic has his own sequence which is uh which is sung um hopefully in all dominican parishes on uh on on his feast day so yes absolutely okay so because it is quite lengthy we are going to get straight to the translation so you can sing it for us take us through it yes all right so saint dominic lived quite a remarkable life and uh in in the sequence there is a a note taken of several of the the miraculous things that happened over the course of his uh saintly life so here we go Now new canticles ascending and new strains harmonious blending mid the hierarchies of heaven. With our earthly choirs according, join this festival in lauding to our Holy Father. For the welfare of the nations called from Egypt's desolations by their God and maker, he was chosen one and glorious, passing o'er the wave victorious in the ark of poverty. Ere his birth, the preacher brother is prefigured to his mother by a hound with torch of fire. So her son, his torchlight bearing, midst the nation's dark appearing, leads them on with full desire. He, another Moses, teaches, and Elias-like, he preaches, sin denouncing with all his might. Samson-like, his foxes sending, and his foe, and the foe, his trumpet rending, Gideon-like, he puts to flight. This is amazing. Keep going. (laughs) From death's sleep, a child he waketh, whom alive his mother taketh, when the holy sign he makes, as in the sign of the cross over the dead child. Wow. Cease the floods, and bread from heaven for his fainting sons is given, which into their hands he breaks. Happy he whose elevation is our mother's exaltation, is her joy and weal indeed. To his home by saints attended, hath his soul for I ascended, having filled the earth with seed. Like the hidden grain he bideth, like the clouded star he hideth, 
but the maker of the spheres. Joseph's dry bones readorning will reveal the star of morning till earth's darkness disappears. O surpassing fragrance, telling of the virtues of that dwelling, which within the tomb doth die. Thither flock the sick for healing, blind and lame the grace revealing that his body lives for aye. Wherefore now with jubilation praise and bless him every nation, cry aloud and crave his care. Sing Dominic the glorious, sing Dominic victorious, claim his help and promised prayer. And thou, Father, kind and loving, shepherd, patron, unreproving, kneeling heaven's high throne before, lift for us thy voice prevailing, to our King with prayers availing, evermore and evermore. Amen. Alleluia. Wow. It's quite a story. That isn't is it? quite a story. <laughs> there was some stuff in there that I didn't know about the life of St. Dominic. So you're going to sing this one for us in Latin? Is yeah. Right? yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. It's Take a big it one. Away. Okay. Here we go. In celesti hierarchia, nova sonet harmonia, novo ducta cantico, cui concordet in aquia, nostri cori melodia, con gaudens dominico. Egypto vastitatis, virum sue voluntatis, vocat actor seculi, inficella paupertatis, flumen transit vanitatis, prosalute populi. In figura catuli, predicator seculi, amatri premonstratur, portans ore faculam, ad amoris regulam, populus ortatur. Ikes novus legislator, Ikelias emulator, et detestans crimina, vulpes dissipat samsonis, et in tuba gedeonis, ostis fugat agmina. Al defunctis revocatum, matri vivum redit natum, vivens aduc corpore, signo crucis imbercedit, turba fratrum panem edit, misum dei. Orbem replet semine in shame. 
placet granum oculcatum, sidus latet obumbratum, sed plasmatoros minum. Osa Iosef pullulare, sidus iubet radiare, in salutem gentium. O quam probat carnis florem omnem superans odorem, tumuli fragrantia, egricurunt et curantur cecic laudire parantur, virtutum frequentia, laudis ergo personemus mirifico, voce plena, clama hear that dominican parishes <laughs> better have that at your mass for the feast of saint dominic that was so beautiful Catherine. thank you so much Catherine will be teaching a whole new crop of dominican novices who are receiving their habits today at saint gertrude here in the cincinnati area pray for them welcome to cincinnati baby novices we're back right after this it's 17 past Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. 
Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. Hey, Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car on Sirius XM Channel 130 and on the go on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. There's concern in Washington after 11 Russian and Chinese warships carried out an operation near Alaska's Aleutian Islands. Polls are open now in Ohio for a special election. And the Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace on January 1st. Artificial intelligence and peace. And again, Ohio voters uh, in our local hour You'll probably be hearing a little bit more since it's relevant specifically to you and your mm-hmm. responsibilities. Although we do have a lot of Ohio listeners. We do have an Ohio listeners uh, who are listening now on Annunciation Radio in Toledo, Toledo, Ohio. The Rock the in Rock, Cleveland. The Rock in Cleveland. St. Gabriel, Gabriel Radio. Radio. And of course, Sacred Heart Radio. Sacred Heart Radio, which produces the Sunrise Morning Show. So hopefully you've been paying attention hopefully. to what's going on at the ballot box today. And uh, encouraging people to vote yes on issue one because of its implications for November. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into more of that. For its implications in November. At least for some deeper philosophical. There are lots of implications. Yeah. Generally speaking, as Ken Craycraft mentioned yesterday on the show. Yep, indeed. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, this is Father Mark Watkins, pastor of St. Lawrence the St. Monica Sodality Prayer for Fallen Away Catholics. Eternal and merciful Father, I give you thanks for the gift of your divine Son who suffered, died, and rose for all mankind. You gave St. Monica a spirit of selfless love manifested in her constant prayer for the conversion of her son, Augustine. Inspired by boundless confidence in your power to move hearts, I pray the grace to imitate her constancy in my heart 
for those who no longer share in the intimate life of your Catholic family. Grant through my prayer that they may be open to the promptings of your Holy Spirit and return to loving union with your church. Grant that also my prayer be ever hopeful and that I may never judge another, for you alone can read hearts. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Program at Easter Seals Rehabilitation. He's online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Hey, good morning. Okay, so as we kick off the month of August, well, there have been already a whole bunch of ads that have landed in my inbox and uh, have assaulted me as I've gone into regular department stores telling me that back to school is coming. And there are probably some kids who are like, oh, man, summer just started. It's back to school. But uh, what are some good things to kind of have in the back of our minds to help us prepare for this in a way that we get excited and don't dread it? Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely an anxious time of the year for a lot of kids. But so here's a couple thoughts. The first is that as you're headed back to school the next, whether it's week, and our kids are actually headed back this week um, or next week, one of the most important things that we do as parents is to get back on a reasonable sleep schedule. And I think a lot of times what happens um, is that all of a sudden the first day of school shows up and the sleep schedule has been really off for the summer like it typically can get. And we haven't really taken time to adjust the schedule slowly backwards. So if your kid's been staying up a lot later than is needed for school, this week is a great week to start to scale back your sleeper team and to kind of pull back on the bedtimes because it's really hard to go from, let's say, 11 p.m. to, you know, 9 p.m. and do it all in one night. So that's one that we really should start with and think is a huge thing yeah. this time of year. I, I want to ask you a little bit about that because there are probably some families who don't realize just how crucial that is in your work with child psychology is the idea of getting your kid on a decent night's sleep. I mean, we know that when they're real little. Uh, but as they get older, that can be not only harder to police, but also sort of difficult to realize how to implement it. And you can't just say, all right, tomorrow's the first day right. of school. So right. the night before, that Sunday night before is when I'm going to start getting back on schedule. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, the average, so the target amount for, um, let's say, 6 to 12 is about 9 to 11 hours of sleep total. So think about that. I mean, a lot of kids are not getting that during the summer and, and unfortunately even during the school year. And what we really would you know, um, advise is to, like I said, to kind of scale back slowly. So move those bedtimes 15 to 20 minutes back over the course of a week instead of trying to make this massive jump that's probably not going to work very well. All right. What else you got? So the second thing is this, you know, I mean, I know the summer's coming to an end and it does seem like, you know, it was just last week that we ended school, but I think that we have to be really, really focused on what we say is the present mindedness um, with our kids. And I think a lot of kids get really anxious and thinking, oh my gosh, like I've got a whole school year ahead of me. Like this is too big, too much. I can't go there already. And what we'd say to them is, well, hey, first of all, for most of you, you still have some days left of summer. Let's enjoy that for right now. But even with school starting, no matter where it is across the country that you're listening, let's just kind of focus on these first few days and let's just focus on, hey, what do we need to do? What are some of the adjustments to make? But let's also focus on what are some of the positives? Like, what are some of the things you're actually looking forward to? And, you know, if your kids are like mine, like, oh, nothing. Well, let's, <laughs> let's not quite accept nothing. Let, let's even help our kids kind of look at things that 
might be more joyful or positive. But I, I think that in life, just like in school, we get so focused on the whole race, the whole marathon, that we are, our kids are kind of overwhelmed by this idea of like, oh, I can't take on another year. And the good news is, you know what? You don't have to take on another year. You actually just have to take on today, and let's enjoy it for what it is, and let's, let's take on the tasks for what they are. You big on kids writing down their goals for a year or the, the goal of a schedule at least they'd want to try to keep? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, again, goals for the year are fine. But like, like I kind of mentioned about being more present-minded, I would love to hear their goals for this week. You know, I'd love to hear for their goals at the end of the summer, um, a few things that they're looking forward to, maybe a few things, again, that they are challenged by. And I think that what we find with this present-mindedness around this beginning of school is that it's a lot less overwhelming to think, okay, so, like, I just have to kind of ease in and get into this part of it. And then when I get into this part of it, I can take on the next, you know, installment. Um, but I think that, you know, in general, if we, if we talk about goals, sometimes it's just easier to talk about goals at the beginning and this week. Yeah, that can be a little daunting if you do the whole year. Even as right. I was saying that, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't do that even for myself. I do say, <laughs> all right, I want to do this first thing in the morning every day, and I'm going to try and do it tomorrow <laughs> to start right. the streak. Right. Right. Uh, that's a little bit yep. more measurable, at least for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's the whole idea is that there are certain kids that you know, look forward to going back and it's great. And you probably don't have to work as much with those kids. But I think no matter where your child is, it's a whole lot easier to kind of like manage and deal with and be excited about what's in front of you than, you know, the, the larger piece of it. And, um, and I think, you know, the other thing I would add this time of year is if your kid did have a rough year for various reasons um, this past you know, school, then let's look at this as an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, it is still a fresh start in many ways. Now, I know that you know, sometimes they might be coming back into the same school or with similar peers, but the reality is the nice thing about the summer is that it is a reset. And I think for those who struggled, and whether it was academically or socially, it's nice for parents to spend this week and say, hey, you know what, this is, this is the cool thing about life is that it is somewhat of an adventure. And even though you might have had a rough time before, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't see how this year can be a way to build resiliency and, and build more of a positive experience. And um, we all need resets. That's why sleep is really important. That's why the weekends are really important. And that's why the summers are important. And we have to kind of treat it as the reset that it is. Yeah, and you can come back to school, and you know a lot of those classmates you might not have seen, and you know you might have grown a an inch or two. You might have right. got right. a new haircut and maybe a new shirt. Maybe take a take a fresh start approach to it, as opposed to just dreading back to the grind. And of course, you know we could do a whole other segment, probably Dr. Schrader, on tips for parents and how to get back on their you know sort of balanced approach to life once the kids are out back out of the house and into into the routine, but we'll have to save that for another time. Sounds good. All right, and if our listeners want to connect with you, how do they do so? Yeah, james-schrader.com. All right, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Schrader, thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. A severe storm outbreak affecting millions of Americans has caused widespread travel issues. FlightAware reports there were more than 1,700 flight cancellations within, into, or out of the U.S. yesterday. More than 8,300 flights were delayed. The weather has resulted in at least two deaths and is bringing widespread damaging wind, hail, and flooding to parts of the south and east coast. 
where the FAA implemented several ground stops earlier in the day. Some tornado watches have ended in the Northeast. Hundreds of thousands of customers have been without power. Polls are open now in Ohio for the August special election. The singular item appearing on ballots across the state is known as Issue 1. The measure would require future state constitutional amendments to get the support of 60 percent of voters in order to pass, as opposed to the simple majority requirement currently to amend the state constitution. The proposed rule has seen the support and opposition from a wide range of political advocacy groups from all over the country, mainly because of its potential impact on the proposed amendment going before voters in November, which would enshrine abortion in the state constitution if passed. State officials say close to 700,000 Ohioans have voted early in this special election. Two U.S. military veterans are dead after a drone strike in Ukraine. Mark Mayfield has more. Former U.S. Marine Lance Lawrence and former Army officer Andrew Weber died July 29th fighting in an operation against Russian forces. That's according to various media reports and public posts from some who knew them. At least 14 American citizens have died while fighting in Ukraine since the war broke out. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace, which takes place every year on New Year's Day. The theme for next year will be artificial intelligence and peace. A note from the Holy See acknowledges that the remarkable advances made in the field of artificial intelligence are having a rapidly increasing impact on human activity, personal and social life, politics, and the economy. It says... The urgent need to orient the concept and use of artificial intelligence in a responsible way so that it may be at the service of humanity and the protection of our common home requires that ethical reflection be extended to the sphere of education and law. Pope Francis, on his flight back to Rome from Lisbon, reflected on the young people he encountered in Portugal for World Youth Day. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports. Pope Francis said he was very positively impressed by the huge participation and enthusiasm shown by so many youths in Lisbon and also by the successful organization of the event, the best of the four he has attended so far, he said. Commenting on the young people attending the Youth Day, the Pope noted that they are religious, looking for non-hostile, non-artificial and non-formalistic faith, which he said is not easy. Some may object that young people today don't always abide by moral rules. However, Pope Francis remarked, we all make mistakes in life, and despite this, the Lord is always waiting for us because he is merciful while highlighting the need to accompany young people as they seek to look forward pope francis further stressed once again the vital importance of dialogue between old and young so they don't lose their roots in the conversation amongst other things the pope also spoke about his repeated assertion that the church is open to all with no exception Asked by a reporter if he didn't think that this assertion was somehow incoherent with the fact that some people, such as women and homosexual people, do not have the same rights and cannot receive some sacraments, Pope Francis insisted that the Catholic Church welcomes everyone and that it has a duty to accompany them on a personal path of spirituality, but within the framework of its rules. 
Each person encounters God in their own way inside the church, he said. I am Lisa Zingarini. Home prices are up and reaching highs across the country. A new report from Black Knight says prices went up by 0.8% in June after a long slowdown. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Is it allowed to pray to the crucifix or to the images and relics of the saints? It is not allowed to pray to the crucifix or images and relics of the saints, for they have no life no power to help us, no sense to hear us. You see, when we look up at the crucifix as Catholics, we're not worshiping the image. What we should recognize is that the image of the cross is precisely that, an image. I'm not praying to the wood, rather I'm praying to God, and the wood is helping me to pray to him better. And I'm not praying to the relic of the saint, that's just a remnant of something the saint had, or perhaps a part of the saint's body. And so we can see then that we need to be very careful with that distinction, not to pray to the thing, but to pray to the person. And so recognizing then where we are allowed to pray and where we are not, we are better able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. He's joining us live from Poland this morning. Steve, good morning. Good afternoon. We're it's about two o'clock, all close to that, and we're just we're just leaving Czestochowa, which is the heartland of Polish spirituality, and that's where John Paul came many times and celebrated Mass here. And it's the Black Madonna that uh, many believe that St. Luke painted. Uh, But it's been here at least since 700 A.D. And a lot of people are very emotional as we walk through because we got to go. It's up in the front of the church, and there were about 40 priests in there celebrating Mass with the people. The Polish people are just very Catholic. And we got to walk right under the Black Madonna and see her there in all her glory. So that's what we're doing today. Now we're heading to Zakopane, which is the mountain on the border with Slovakia, and that's where John Paul went skiing. So we're going to go up there and have a little, uh, take the cable cars up the mountain, and we're having a blast. It sounds like an amazing pilgrimage. I've had a few different people invite me to Poland before, and I've never been able to go, uh, but there are some incredible Polish saints to talk about, and one of them's actually on the calendar 
here at the beginning of August. St. Edith Stein, who we're going to talk a whole lot more about, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who was a huge influence on another Polish saint that you just mentioned, Pope St. John Paul II. So, I mean, there are a lot of people to uh, investigate while you're over there. There really is, and we're going to be um, meeting up with Edith Stein at Auschwitz. We're going to be going there towards the end of the trip, and I people say, why would you take us to the largest concentration camp? Because I want people to see what how humans can be so inhumane to other humans, and it was only within my parents' lifetime that that happened. So if it can happen, then it can happen now, and we have to be ever vigilant. But we're also going to go there to see Maximilian Kolbe, who gave his life in exchange for a father who um, later when Maximilian Kolbe was beatified, that father came to Rome with all of his family to give gratitude to Maximilian Kolbe, who took his place of execution, was starved to death. So we're going to see him too. And also John Paul II is throughout our trip, St. John Paul II, everywhere. We're going to his birthplace tomorrow. We're going to um, where he celebrated his first Mass. Just wonderful stuff. And then we're going to be celebrating, um, praying the, the Divine Mercy with the sisters at their convent. And uh, that's, uh, people are really excited about that as well. It sounds like an awesome trip. Uh, you know, with uh, Edith Stein and, and Maximilian Kolbe being in there, and there's a bunch of other saints, too, by the way, who died in concentration camps or died at the hands of uh, basically the most evil regime that most of our you know, grandparents can remember, right? I mean, this is, yes, this is pretty horrible yes. stuff, but it produced extraordinary saints. I mean, what sense are, are do the pilgrims have of of what it looks like for people like Edith Stein, also John Paul II, right, who he lived under these regimes, uh, to have uh, lived such profound, joyful, holy lives despite everything going on around them? We started the trip with um, Jerzy Papalushko, who is a blessed and he was involved with the Solidarity Movement with Lekwalesa up in Gdansk, where they started the, the uh, labor union, which eventually gained steam. And uh, Jerzy Papalushko was a very famous, very handsome priest, too, by the way, very devout, who did their homilies for them, and he preached never to hate people, even the, the Soviets, never to hate them, never to... Um, try to get revenge, just always love and be forgiving. And But he spoke against tyranny and all, and, he, and for the freedoms of the people in the Catholic Church. And they ended up killing him and throwing him in the Vistula River. But we went to his tomb, and it's just, it was very moving. That's the first thing we did on the pilgrimage. And they have a big rosary around the yard of the church made of huge stones, boulders chained together. And that is in the shape, the rosary is laid out in the shape of Poland with his tomb in the middle. So everywhere we go, these modern saints are stepping out of the woodwork to meet us. And and the masses that we're having at these sites are great. Um, when we also we went yesterday through the Jewish ghetto where the Jews were all herded up into the ghettos and treated so horrendously, and we always think it's just the Jews, but as many uh, as many other people that died as well, the Poles, the handicapped, Hungarians, all kinds of other people died as well in the concentration camps. But overall, I know we've talked about the concentration camps, but overall this is just a beautiful trip because the Polish people are so friendly smiling. It's beautiful weather. You know, Matt, the first time I came to Poland was in 1985 when it was still communist. My wife and I smuggled Bibles and medicine and books through Checkpoint Charlie. I was going to say, you would have been a Protestant at the time, right? 
I was. I was a Protestant. I was 1985. And it was Did a, Francis a Schaeffer give you those Bibles days. to smuggle in? It was his organization, Labrie, yes. I thought Labrie it might be. with Francis Schaeffer. They gave me, and we filled our car full of all of this contraband, Bibles, medicine, all the money. And when we went through Checkpoint Charlie, the car in front of us with police dogs barking and electric fences and machine guns in our window, they took the car apart in front of us, the dashboard, the seats, looking for contraband. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, our car's full of it. I said, Lord, make us invisible. It took them an hour to take that car apart. When it was our turn, we drove up. They looked in and they waved us through and they said, go. And we just were so grateful to God and we were able to deliver all that to the Christians here. But that was our first time here. And I brought that up only because the difference you see today, nobody would look you in the eye back then. No, it was dark. Nobody, everybody was suspicious. They wouldn't look at you. Now, our Polish people are friendly. They're smiling. They want to shake your hand. It's just, and the Catholic churches are full. And it's just a wonderful time. And by the way, my knees... A lot of people know I had both knees replaced on, uh, four months ago. I am walking so nice. For the first time in, my, in the last five to ten years, I'm walking with absolutely no pain. I feel like I'm floating on the air. Well, that's awesome. And uh, what, a, what a cool story for you to be able to visit Poland. Uh, actually, on uh, both sides of a couple things, right? Uh, as a Baptist and then again as a Catholic. Uh, but also, it is struggling under cold war communism and to see it as free <laughs> you know and you can't tell that story uh you can't even tell your own personal story of transition without invoking john paul ii i imagine oh no because he was the pope I, he was the only pope i knew you know coming up and into the church and, and what a heroic man too and then uh, you know how easy it was for us to come into the church with a leader like that and so it it was amazing and to be here with these Polish people, you know, they stayed strong. Germany fell apart, and much of Germany now is atheistic and so on. The reason is because Christianity split apart over there. And you know the saying, divide, stand, uh, united we stand, divided we fall. And Germany, because of Luther and others, divided Christianity, and it fell. And today, the guides tell you in Germany, when we've been there, that it's because of uh, communism that there's atheists there now. I said, wait a minute, Poland went all the way through Nazism, and they went all the way through the Soviet communism, and they came out at the end strong Catholics. Why? Because they didn't fall for the lies. They stayed united in loyal to the Catholic Church and the Pope John Paul. They stayed loyal to the Church, and because of that, there was a united front, and it was the Polish people, with the help of John Paul and Ronald Reagan, who ended up bringing the Iron Curtain down, which I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. But it was the faith of these people, these courageous Polish people, that ended up defeating the Soviet Union. Well, and it's incredible, you know, some of those people are on the church calendar now as canonized saints, <laughs> so pretty yes, cool stuff. Are. Well, Steve Ray, thank you for giving us a little window into your pilgrimage there in Poland. Pray for us while you're over there, and we'll link your website so people can figure out how to join you on your next trip. Thank you, and every day I'm putting up videos, so you can join us virtually every day with uh, YouTube videos I'm putting up. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. Have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. It is 14 till. We're going to talk more about St. Edith Stein uh, as she appears in the Office of Readings with Chris McGregor from Discerning Hearts. Stay with us. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. 
there is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some Monk Shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you from becoming a Catholic? Why can't women become priests? I don't understand why I have to earn salvation. How is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest? Why is the Catholic Church so unwilling to recognize the Catholic Church is too rich? Catholics worship Mary and our community. As far as I'm concerned, all religions are equal. You are called to communion with Dr. David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Do you have an important prayer need? We'll pray with you today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Twelve minutes before the hour, here's Anna with headlines. Several, a severe storm outbreak affecting millions of Americans has been causing widespread travel issues and power outages. Polls are now open in Ohio for the special election on issue one, which has major implications for a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion in Ohio's constitution. That's up in November. And the Vatican has released the theme for the next World Day of Peace, Artificial Intelligence and Peace. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. Why would we need artificial intelligence when we have you and Matt? Oh, well, we were just talking about this. We're going to be on vacation next week. And so we were like, is that kind of like what we're talking about here when you hear recordings of our voices? There's all kinds of, you know, conversations that could be had around that, but not really my cup of tea in terms of, well, I don't know. I guess it's kind of interesting, but I would much rather talk about the Office of Readings today because it's one of my girls that we're getting this week. Uh, our selection from the Office of Readings this week is for the August 9th Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, also known as Edith Stein. And Chris, so for for those listening who might not be familiar with her, like, what would you tell them about her? I would, uh, she was a gift to all of us yeah. in her witness, in her brilliance, her humility. Edith Stein, and I, I think 
she would prefer to be called St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, don't you? Because yeah, I do. that's a name that she chose for herself to reflect her, her love and respect for not only her spiritual mother, St. Teresa of Avila, who, whose book that she read, The Life of Teresa, was instrumental. After she spent all night reading it, one day she said, this is truth. And it led her into this, this wonderful uh, journey that would take her ultimately, believe it or not, to the martyrdom at Auschwitz. She has such a beautiful story and has such beautiful writings. And when you proposed this reading for our discussion today, Chris, you described it as the core of her legacy. Tell us about that. Well, she is. She's one who understood what the passion of Christ meant. It meant for all of us who were uh, born, as she will point out, reminds us in our baptism that we are baptized into the uh, the death of Christ, and we rise with him into new life. And this is at a time when the world is absolutely, uh, it, it's eating itself. We are killing our, our family members, our friends, our neighbors, all throughout Europe and around the world and what would become the outbreak of World War II. And Edith, in this uh, understanding of co-passionating, it means that we we enter in with Christ and with our brothers and sisters into not only our sufferings, but into the sufferings that they endure, so that we, we co-passion, we help them to carry the cross. It's not enough just to have sympathy, but it's also to, to enter into it with others, to model and to, not to just model, but to be and allow Christ in us to assist others and to uh, shine that law of the of the ultimate law, the law of love. Yeah, I was really struck by just the first couple of of lines of this reading in the Office of Readings, knowing her story as as someone who was born Jewish and would eventually become Catholic and a religious sister, taking the name of the cross, um, which I think is so telling. In, in any number of ways. But she writes here, Christ put on the yoke of the law, fulfilling the law's commands and dying for the law and through the law. By this, he freed those who desire to receive life through him, but they cannot receive that life unless they themselves offer their own lives. I mean, I think about the the fact that that she grew up under the law that she's mm-hmm. talking about and how much St. Paul and his teachings on Christ's fulfillment of the law affected her and and really, I mean, are are permeating throughout this entire reading. Well, what's a, a violation of the law? It's sin. Yeah. That's that's ultimately when you violate the law, you're violating um, you're doing so in your sin. It's the embracing that is everything that's counter God's love uh, and love for the uh, for our neighbors. It, it's a violation that hurts ourselves. And so when he takes on and it exemplifies what truly the commands of the law are, they're, they're to love. And you look at, even if you get really, go to the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. They're ultimately a fulfillment of how you love in the world. Yeah. 
And so he did that and he even took it into his own suffering and the great humility. It's the opposite of what everything we're supposed to operate in this world. It is, it's a totally counter that. And for her as a Jew to see that this crucifixion of Christ and the entrance into this passion is so fundamental because it, it, it flips everything on its head. And why would so many die and how and experience this great love and witness to this if it weren't truth? Yeah. And it, it ultimately it ended up touching her so deeply that she knew that she couldn't just stay in her religious experience, but she also had to go out in the world and witness to that love. And she ultimately did that when she decided to stay and be constricted yes. then to to that journey to Auschwitz. Yes, and and uniting that suffering to the cross. Um, can you, I love how she uses the imagery of the shepherd's sling to <laughs> describe the cross. Can you close us out talking about that, Chris? Sure, she says it is the shepherd's sling with which the divine David battles the evil Goliath. It's in that Christ, his weapon is the crucifix, you know, and for us, just gaze upon that today. I mean, that's what Edith Stein would have, I think it would ask us to do. You want to see what love looks like? Look at the crucifix. Looking at because he's so, he, he died for us there and he took on all sin. And there, there's victory even in that. We're all going to suffer, right, Anna? Mm -hmm. It's all going to affect us. But how, what we do with that and how we live that out that's what makes the difference. Yeah. Well, when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his body, which died on the cross. And so, yeah, we are called to be suffering along with him, at which then, of course, as she says, the cross is not the end. It is lifted up and shows us the way to heaven. Amen. So beautiful from the Office of Readings for the August 9th Feast of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. All right, that'll do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show for EWTN. We'll talk to you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.